Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Malachi, chapter 2. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Numbers chapter 22. Don't you know your Bible? Again, another great story. I told you God has a sense of humor. Numbers chapter 22. This is one of the funniest stories in the Bible. We have the Moabite king Balak. You know the story. And he wanted to curse Israel. And so what did he do? He hired a false prophet by the name of who, saints? Balaam. You know that. And so Balaam's riding on his donkey. This is a funny story. And he's on his way to curse God's people. And the context in the story in Numbers 22 is almost like he's really casual about it. Like he's going to the or something. You know what I mean? Okay, we're going to go curse God's people. We're going to go curse God's people. And so the donkey that he's riding on, the, the donkey sees an angel in the road with a sword drawn and the donkey stops. And Balaam begins to whack the donkey on the head and the donkey continues down the road. Well, then he sees the angel again and this time he crushes Balaam's foot And Balaam starts beating the donkey again. And the donkey continues down the road. And the donkey sees the angel yet again. And the Bible says that this time, the donkey fell with his legs from out under his belly. That's a word picture. I mean, that's just trippy. That just reminds me like a cartoon or something. Like all of his legs just... I mean, that's kind of the idea is what happened. And so Balaam, he jumps off the donkey and he starts to beat the donkey... Over the head, and the donkey, the Bible says, the donkey said, hey, why are you beating me? Have I ever did this before? Haven't I always been a good donkey? No, no, no. <laughs> this is incredible. I mean, because Balaam began to, the Bible says, began to reason with the donkey. Well, you know, come to mention it, you know, it has been fun riding you, and and, and him, Balaam and the donkey begin to converse back and forth, which makes you wonder who's the real donkey here. <laughs> he begins to talk to him. And so Balaam, you know the story. He lifts up his hands and he tries to curse the people. But he winds up blessing the people. He tries to curse the people and he winds up blessing the people. Here in our text in Malachi chapter 2, God reverses that and turns blessings into curses. Listen, it's bad enough when God takes a blessing away, but it's even worse when God turns the blessing into a curse. That would be painful. Well, speaking of painful, look at verse 3. This is painful, so painful that in verse 3, God said, I will rebuke your descendants and spread Refuse on your faces. Okay, we know what refuse is. Say amen if you do. Okay, I'm trying not to explain. Although I am a teacher of the word. We understand what refuse is. By the way, this is, you know, I always talk about the law of first mention. 
Uh, this is the law. Uh, this is the uh, first mention of a facial mud pack. Sorry, I'm I'm sorry. It took me two weeks to come up with that one. I'm, I'm sorry. And so this refuse now. Listen, when they cleanse the animal, you know they would bring their sacrifice. When they cleanse the sacrificial animal, the animal had excrement in his intestine and in his body. And so they would have to clean that out as well as other things. They would take those things, refuse, things that are rejected, and they would take them outside of the sanctuary. Now you can find that. They would take it outside of the sanctuary and they would burn it. That's in Exodus 29, 14. Read that in your own time. But they would carry the waste outside the sanctuary and they would burn it. So here God says he will rub their noses in it so that they will, they the priest, will have to be taken outside the sanctuary. And then you will know, God says, we just read it, that I have sent this commandment to you. Now, look at verse 5. My covenant was with him. One of life, one of what saints? One of life. And peace, and I gave them to him that he might fear me. And so he feared me and was reverent before my name. The law of truth was in his mouth, talking about the priest, and injustice was not found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity and turned many away from their iniquity. For the lips of the priest should, underline verse 7, would you? For the lips of the priest should keep knowledge and people should seek the law from his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. Now stop right there. Give me your attention. In verse 4, God says, it is my intention that the covenant I made with Levi will continue. What was the covenant made with Levi? Well, again, listen, you go back to Exodus chapter 32. Again, in your own time, when Moses saw the people were out of control, Moses stood in the entrance and said, who is on the Lord's side? Don't you remember that comment? Who is on the Lord's side? Come and stand over here, Moses said. And all the sons of Levi went and stood with Moses, and God blessed them and made a covenant with them that they would be his ministers or that they would be his pastors. And this covenant, God says, was one of life and peace. I love that. Life and peace is what God desires for all of our lives. Amen, saints? Amen. Life and peace. And somehow, you know, we usually choose death and stress. God wants to give us life and peace. Now, originally, the tribe of Levi had been faithful to instruct the people in the ways of the Lord. They spoke the truth from God's word. They drew near to the Lord in peace and uprightness. And their instruction turned many of the Israelites from their sin to honor God. The priest wants reverence God and they knew his word and they had godly character and they kept Knowledge, But notice in verse 7, the lips of the priest, I had you underline it, the lips of the priest should keep knowledge and the people should seek the law from his mouth. Notice God says the main role of the priest, are you listening? The main role of the priest was instruction, teaching, and being able to give knowledge. Not shaking hands, not kissing babies, but Instruction and teaching is what God called his priest to do. 
And there is no new thing under the sun. Even today, God has still called his priests to instruction and teaching and the giving forth of knowledge. God has still called his priests to study his word. Of course, you know. Acts chapter 6. Remember, we've been going over on Sunday morning the problem in the early church between the Hebrew women and the Greek women in the daily distribution. And don't you remember Paul, or pardon me, Peter and the apostles said, hey, we need to give ourselves to prayer and to the word of God, the study of the word of God. Don't you remember what Jesus told Peter? Peter, you love me? Peter said, yes, Lord, I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Peter, you love me? Yeah, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter, you, you love me? Peter, you even like me. Yeah, Lord, you know, Peter was getting frustrated. You know I love you. You know I like you, Lord, a lot. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. It is the job of the pastor, the job of the priest, to feed God's people wisdom from the Lord and knowledge from the word. And don't you love that verse in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2? It says, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof. Paul said in Acts, I could go on and on and on. Paul said in Acts chapter 20, verse 8, Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you over, overseer to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. And then one of my favorite verses, 2 Timothy Chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, I love this verse. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. What does it say, saints? Preach the word. Be ready, Paul tells Timothy, in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching for the time is going to come, Timothy, when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itchy ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And it goes on. And, and I could go on about the role of the pastor and the role of the priest. And, and we're all priests of God. Amen. And because we're all kings and priests of God, then we all need to be people who are able to share the word of God, who is able to give out the word of God, who is able to give instruction concerning the things of God. But it's the role of the priest, according to the scriptures and the pastors, to give people the word. And I don't see that happening a whole lot in the church today. I don't want to get on that soapbox. You guys know how easily that can happen. Isn't it sad what's happening to the teaching of the word in the church today? It's, it, guys, it's, it's awful. The church is in a terrible, terrible, terrible place. There is a famine of the word of God in the church today. And how often do we hear people say, oh, you come to my church, you need to come to our church because they're teaching the word. And you listen and you go, oh, I am sorry, that, that's not teaching the word. You know, I talk to pastors all the time, and I encourage them, take your people through the word of God, verse by verse. Take your people through the word. Look, you don't have to do it like I do it, Sunday morning, New Testament, so Wednesday night, you know, Old Testament. You don't have to do it that way, and lots of pastors don't. Even some Calvary pastors don't. They do something more topical on Sunday morning because of the nature of the crowd and the cosmetics of the people, and that I understand. But listen, if you're going to pastor God's people, you're going to need to take time to take them through the word at some 
sometime or another, whether you do it on a, a Sunday night, whether you do it on a, a midweek service, sometime in the life of your church and your ministry, you need to be taking the people through the word of God. Somewhere, I don't care where you do it, do it. Because how can you as a pastor, as a minister, let me talk to you just for a second. How can you as a pastor, a minister, a teacher, stand before God and say, like Paul says, I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of the word of God. You see, Paul didn't believe in a Bible full of holes. He believed in the whole Bible. And he believed in teaching the whole Bible. And how can we as pastors, as ministers, as priests, stand before God and say, God, I did that. You called me to teach and I did that. And I can say to my people that I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of the word of God. How can you say that if you don't do it? I can say that. Praise God, I want to be able to say that. And I can say that. And I'm comfortable and happy that I can say that as long as I've been here in these 10 years of this ministry, we have been going verse by verse through the word of God. And I have not shunned to declare unto you the full counsel of the word of God. And yes, I have gotten in a lot of trouble for the things I say from the pulpit. <laughs> yes, I have. People send me emails and y'all know when I get an email, I send back a reply. Raka. You know what that means? Say amen if you know what that means. All right, now, we'll just leave that alone. Search scriptures, see if these things are so. <laughs> hey, look, whatever. I I'm willing to take some heat. I'm willing to take some, some, some heat for, for preaching the full counsel of the word of God. Absolutely. And, and I won't be afraid, and I won't be fearful, and I won't hold back, and I will do it in love, and I will do it in grace. But God's truth is God's truth, and it's unalterable. You know, you can't change God's word. You don't have that liberty. You can change your word. But don't, no, 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 don't do that. Now, if you're a minister of the word of God, you need to be able to say, and God cares about his people, and that's why he wants the full counsel of the word of God taught. You understand? And if you leave this church, wherever you go, you find the church where the people are going through the word. Because let me tell you, when they're going through the word, everything's going to be okay. But when they're not going through the word, Everything's not going to be okay. You can always tell the church is on course. Is it a perfect church? No. Why? Because you're here. <laughs> but if they're going through the word now, it's not perfect, but at least they're in the scriptures. And the scripture is going to steer and guide and direct. And we're going to get off course and God's word is going to say, ah, 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 back over here. And we're going to get off course and God's word is going to say, no, 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 back over here. Come on, come on, let's get down there. Because God's word does that. His word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. Amen. You understand? Amen. This, is, this is important. Whether you be a minister, a pastor, priest, whatever you are, you stay in God's word. And you make sure as heads of the home, fathers, that you get people, get your family in a church where God's word is being taught. That's so important. So these guys weren't fulfilling the role of a priest and God is judging them. Now look at verse eight. Look at verse eight. If you're there, say amen. amen. But you have departed from the way you have caused many to stumble at the law. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore, I also have made you 
contemptible and base before all the people because you have not kept my ways but have shown, note this, partiality in the word. Now, notice the contrast. Stop right there. Notice the contrast from the ideal to the real, from what they were supposed to be to what they are today. Truth is, the priest should keep knowledge and be able to share God's word, but they have departed from God's way. They have caused many to stumble at God's word. And, and God says, you've corrupted the covenant and you've shown partiality in the word. Verse nine. You know, I heard I heard a story recently. This woman said that she came from a church where the pastor would use his sermons to blast whoever he was mad at at the church. And before the service, get this, that's horrible, but it even gets worse. Before the service, he would walk up to them and say, I want you to listen real good this morning because this sermon is for you. That is just awful. That is terrible. You see, you can show partiality. Here's my point. You can show partiality positively or negatively. You can. And that's again why we're talking about the word and the responsibility of the priest as it relates to the word. That is why, I, and what I love about verse by verse through the Bible teaching. This week's sermon, listen, this week's sermon was already there last week. I, I, I didn't pick and choose. I don't get to pick and choose what I'm going to talk about. I don't take people's business to the pulpit. If I know a sin that a person is struggling with, I don't preach against it on Sunday. If someone gets upset or, or, or makes me angry, I preach on them. I, I mean, I don't preach on them. I'm sorry. Oh, just slip. Y'all like, what? <laughs> I, I don't preach. No, I don't do that because look, look, God says here, the priests were showing partiality in the teaching of the word and thus they were bringing judgment on themselves. Listen, the pulpit should never be a place where the pastor is venting his feelings. You know, people have come up and I've said things from the pulpit and, and, and teaching the word of God and people have come up and said, you know, when my wife was talking to you. When does she have an opportunity to tell you the things that we were talking about and going on in our home and that kind of thing? And I can't believe you would address those things from the pulpit. I'm like, no, I really am not addressing those things from the pulpit. As a matter of fact, who are you? And who's your wife? I don't know, y'all. Who are you? Well, you mean my wife didn't talk to you about that? I don't know, no, I don't even know you. You see, this is the power of the word of God. This is the power of the teaching of the word of God. God's word is able, y'all listen to me closely. God's word is able to touch you and air. Look, I don't even have to be teaching anything near your topic. And isn't the Holy Spirit amazing how he can speak to you in areas in your life and stuff we wasn't even reading here. And I've told you, people have come up afterward and said, you know, Pastor Roddy, when you said this and you said that, oh, just touch me, bless me, change me, blah, 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 blah. And they're going on and on about what I said, and I didn't say that. And I know I didn't say that. And they're going on and on, oh, yes, oh, when you said this and you said that. But see, it wasn't me that said it. When you teach God's word, God's word goes into the heart and does the work and speaks in areas that we're not really even addressing. But this is the power, the supernatural power of the word of God. This is why the Bible says that God's word is living and powerful and sharpening any two-edged sword. 
God's word is living. The books that you read, that you got off of New York Times bestseller, they're not living. Harlequin Romance and Jacqueline Steele and is there Jacqueline Steele? Well, y'all know what I'm talking about anyway. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Whoever, there's a Steele person. Danielle Steele. Danielle Steele. That's what I said. If y'all just listen to me. See, the Holy Spirit got y'all jumbled up. Right? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> but God's word is so powerful. It's just an amazing thing. So I don't have to, you know, decide what to preach. And, and that's a good thing about teaching God's word, too. I've never, never run out of sermons, and I can talk forever. Don't, nobody say Amen. <laughs> Ushers? Now you are an usher. I can't get you out of here. She said, he is an usher. Well, then get yourself out. God's word is so powerful. Amen, saints. Oh, well, let me move on. Look at verse 10. Have we not all one father? Has not one God created us? Now, this is not talking about the universal fatherhood of God. Have we not all one Father? Has not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously with one another? By profaning the covenant of the fathers. Judah has dealt treacherously, and an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. Here's what the abomination was. For Judah has profaned the Lord's holy institution. What do you think that is? Marriage which he loves. He has married the daughter of a foreign god. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob the man who does this being awake and aware, yet who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. Now stop right there. Here we are now in the second part of uh, the fourth point in God's contention against the people. The people were deserting their wives. Notice, first of all, Malachi says, we have one father and we are one family. Why are we fighting as if we are not? We deal with each other treacherously, he says. But I mean, think about it like this. In a nation or a people or a church where God's word isn't taught and the law has been set aside, well, then the attitude will be that of treachery. And then that attitude filters its way into the home. And so God says, Judah has dealt treacherously and there have been an abomination committed. What is the abomination? The abomination, I've told you already, is marriage. They were intermarrying. They were marrying outside of the Jewish race of people. They were marrying, marrying foreign women. Now listen close. When the people, perhaps you know this, when the people got back in the land and they were intermarrying foreign women, Ezra, you remember the story? Ezra saw that they were intermarrying and Ezra tore his beard out and he wept. Conversely, when Nehemiah saw the people were intermarrying with foreign gods and foreign, you know, women and that kind of thing and, and partaking of foreign gods, Nehemiah, 
He saw the same thing that Ezra saw and Nehemiah tore their beard out and they wept. I, I like the Nehemiah ministry. I ain't ripping my own beard out. Look, if something wrong with you, then I'll rip your beard out. <laughs> and they wept. You see, God told them, and of course you know this, God told them that when they came into the land, they were to cast out and not marry the Hittite, the Canaanite, the Jebusite, the termites, the <laughs> parasites, and all the other ites. And he told them not to do that. He didn't want them to marry. See, God is not into mixed marriage. God is not into mixed marriage. Now, what's mixed marriage? Is that black folks marrying white folks? Oriental folks marrying Indian folks? No. I know that's been something that's been taught a long time, but that's not what the Bible teaches. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.